This is the History Voyager Podcast. My name is Benjamin Kitchings. This is another special, a sort of a situating COVID-19 in the times that we live in. I think we're going to start calling it COVID-19 instead of the coronavirus. I think even we're shorthanding it to covid which I don't know how I feel about that. But I I do want to talk about that this is tribal. You know, and I'm sure all of you have noticed it as well. But, you know, people say, people that don't know as much as other people in history, say, well, this is the most divided time in the country's history. Well, no, it's not. I mean, the Civil War was divided. But even then, you, you'd even talk about, like, the 60s, the 1960s. You know, there was a full-scale riot going on outside the 68 convention. And there was a, the famous quote of, like, the, the cops. Basically, Abby Hoffman realized that the cops are not, you know, with them, that they're for the establishment. And, you know... That's famous and important, but I think also there's a there's a moment that I think we need to talk about here, and that is this this media moment that we live in, where essentially traditional media, meaning print newspapers, print magazines, and even pay cable, you know, broadcasting, is essentially dying, essentially right before our eyes, and you know they're told. The people I heard today uh, are essentially told that you know you have to pick a side. You have to you have to represent the views that you think your audience wants to hear. And the fact is that you know, like I keep saying, the virus doesn't care. The virus doesn't really care who you vote for or what your opinion is on cap and trade, for example. Um, it doesn't honestly care. And I also think, frankly, that, you know, there, this, this idea that, that politics in this country, you know, has become a team sport, essentially. I mean, if you look at, if you look at, like, the media, okay, like the last, I guess, straight newsman that I can remember was Tim Russert, and he's been dead a while. And if you think about it, I mean, that th- that's a disaster, and as disastrous, I think, I honestly do, as the pandemic. I mean, aren't these people, these media folks, aren't they supposed to shepherd us through things? And they're not. They're they're essentially cheerleaders for a side. One side or other. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's not what we need right now, right? You know, they, they need to be explainers. They need to explain, I mean, certainly the science of this is, is new. And that's another thing that I think is troubling is that this disease is a new disease that, you know, we're, even the medical professionals are learning about. You know, it turns out that apparently the sources say, or the science is, that 
you can, you know, get what they call a post-COVID heart attack, which, you know, which caused by damage that the coronavirus does to the large arteries. If you think about it, I mean, that could potentially be much more fatal and much more widespread than any lung involvement. I mean, that's sort of incredible. But, you know, you have one side that focuses on it's a hoax, and you have another side that, yeah, okay, they they want to cover it, but they also sort of, they want to play gotcha, and they, they want to play gotcha with the president. And, you know, you know, all this talk about how Trump is an authoritarian, well, okay, let me ask a question. Do authoritarians, honest to God, do they do they say states have, you know, should go out and get their own ventilators? No, they don't do that. Now look, you know, do I think he, he for those of you who don't know, I guess in the future, um, he made a comment about how he thought that, you know, perhaps you can inject yourself with bleach and this would cure you of the virus. Now, obviously, he was, I hope, just sort of spitballing up there. And I don't think we have a president, at least in modern times, that does the, I guess, the, you know, think on your feet, so to say, so that we're we're sort of learning this. I mean, as a historian, I've got to say that he reminds me an awful lot of a of a nineteenth century president, in the sense that the nineteenth century president could be somebody who wasn't necessarily an expert. And I feel like what we need today from this is an expert, you know. I mean, we're not getting that. And the our media is, is failing us. They're not, you know, they're, they seem to be playing gotcha. Or they seem to be playing, like, talking about how, you know, it's a hoax. I'm amazed at how many people I've seen on Facebook that, that seem to think that this is either wrapping up or essentially like it's a hoax like it never happened or whatever and of course all this is you know partisan and I also wonder how much of of the the lack of knowledge or understanding of the coronavirus is like I mean if you took if you took a Venn diagram of people that have high-speed internet and you overlaid that with a Venn diagram of the people that believe this is a hoax and they don't believe that it's, you know, it's something people can get. I wonder what that Venn diagram would look like and how connected it would be. I'm just saying. And this is something that I think we need to talk about. As a country, and I'm going to talk about it right now because I have a podcast and you know, I'm going to talk about it. What I'm going to talk about is 
I think one of the problems with our media culture today is that it's much more voluntary than it ever used to be. It's so much more you have to self-select your media tribe that it used to be, of course, you know, if you lived in Cleveland, say, you got the Cleveland News and you watched NBC, ABC, CBS, and then later, you know, ES, I mean, you know, CNN, and that was basically it. And CNN, I don't know, you know, didn't really take off in viewers until the OJ trial. But, you know, now they're saying that Chris Cuomo, who's the the largest, you know, person on CNN as far as ratings, I think I read recently he doesn't crack a million viewers. So, I mean, obviously this is a, you know, this is totally a, or I guess a, a vocation, I guess you'd say, that's, that's dying and it has to, it's dying a noisy death, I'm trying to say. And that noisy death is a symptom of the problem. And I think we're falling for it, all of us. I think we need to think about, you know, finding trusting, trusted medical sources on our own and things like that. And, you know, I would suggest going to the CDC website or maybe, you know, the British equivalent of the CDC that they've been pretty good but like the World Health Organization I, I think is completely in the pockets of China and I think that's another thing we're seeing with this in real time is the rise of China as a superpower if you look at China's you know dominance as, as far as moving PPE and things like that across the globe and then you realize well some of that you know, was defective or didn't work. And you have to ask, is that what they're doing? I mean, are they kind of like with the Navajo blankets, with the blankets to the Navajo, where the people would donate the blankets to the Navajo, but the blankets would be infected. And so these Indians would die of diseases given to them by the white men. Is that what's going on here, or is it innocent? And I don't know if it is, but as far as, you know, the, I don't trust their motives, the Chinese. I don't, I don't really trust their motives a lot, but I, I want to talk also about how, you know, the, the other thing I think we need to, to mention here is, you know, I'm going to flip some cards over so to say. I don't believe necessarily that it was a came out of a weapons lab. You know, viruses happen. But I do think, you know, the the Chinese are exploiting this. They're they're using it to to further themselves and and their, you know, globalism aims, the aims of global domination, I guess. But I also think that, you know, Trump's closing of the pandemic team that Obama set up, that he had, Obama had set up this world-class pandemic team. And, and also, you know, George W. Bush, um, 
he had read a book on the 1918 flu and he'd rightly been freaked out by it. So he decided that that was something that the U.S. was going to prioritize was the next pandemic. Well, Trump has cut the, the zoological, you know, virus research department, at least the funding for that at the CDC for next year. And he cut the pandemic team funding, you know, previous to that. And this whole thing about the old Republican adage of shrinking the, the government to the size of a bathtub, you know, that it could fit into a bathtub, I think that's going to, you know, this, this sort of enforced Republican austerity. I, I think we're going to not, I mean, I really think that's going to be a problem later. And I also think that when you couple that with our, the tribal nature of our media, so, you know, like, if you're right wing on the in America, you're a Fox person. And I guess CNN, in some respects, is kind of a passes for like a centrist idea of the news. And MSNBC is, I guess, the liberal idea. And the other thing we're seeing because of the elections is this, you know, there's even a difference between the left and I guess the liberals in this country. Now, the left in this country doesn't, the proper left, I guess you'd say, doesn't really have, hadn't really had a candidate for a very long time until Bernie Sanders came around. But I think Bernie Sanders is teaching people that, you know, the youth vote in this country is essentially 30 years old. Now, what am I saying here? What, what, am, I, what am I tying together? I'm saying that you know, this virus happened to come to us during a divided time when our media was divided and is continuing to be divided. And not only is it divided, but this is key. Not only is it divided, but it is dying and it is dying a noisy death. And I think we as Americans, because I'm talking now to the Americans because most of my audience is American. I think we as Americans need to be critical of our media in such a way as that our parents and grandparents never had to be. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think the media, any of the media, has the American interests at heart. I think they're, you know, they're moving balls around. They're try, if we're the ball and they're moving us around, trying to basically maintain a living. And, you know, I get it. I get that we're, this is a capitalist system and, you know, advertisers and all this. But there's also information dissemination. And I don't think they're doing it properly. I think they're treating it as, as a sport that they treat it as. And I don't think that's a good idea. Um, so what I invite all of you to do is I invite all of you to to hunt around and to find, um, you know, reputable sources on COVID-19 because they're learning. And this is the other thing that we need to talk about. They're learning things about this all the time. That this is not a virus that comes to us 
with our knowledge fully formed, like, say, the Black Death, or, you know, where the Black Death is just something that comes out of the mists of time, and here we are as, as moderns, and there's people that get paid money to know about the Black Death. Well, you know, this is a brand new virus. At least it's new to us. And so we're learning things as, as people all the time. And I think that's really new. And that's going to tax an already fragile uh, relationship with expertise in this country. Because America is, is a country of, of a lot of cavalier thinking. Right, a lot of there's America has a rich history of of questioning experts, and I don't think that now is the time to do that. But I also kind of wonder, like I I really I'm really hesitant about experts playing gotcha. Why do our why does our media play gotcha? Here's why our media plays gotcha. Because I really believe, I honestly think this, you know, there's a real urban-rural divide in this country. There has been for years, for eons, essentially. But now, there's a new divide where you, you've got people moving into the city who, you know, you always had people moving into cities, but now it's like they're the, subur the suburbs were a new thing. And the thought in the previous generation had been that the suburbs were going to be where people cohabited. Well, starting in about, I guess, the early 2000s, if not the late 90s, there was this moving back in a large way of a certain, I guess, class of folks, you know, to the city. And also, I think a lot of the the tribalism in this country, in America, essentially boils down to the Republican Party really, really screwed up with the, the Iraq War. So I think a lot of folks sort of found a new identity or a new political identity around two things that kind of happen sort of kind of at the same time. So you had the Great Recession, and then before that, you had the Iraq War. And those two things, so you had Generation X kind of came into, professionally into its own, right after 9-11. And I don't know if you remember this, a lot of you, but there was a, there was a little recession right, right after 9-11. And... You know, there was trillions of dollars that just evaporated when those planes hit the Twin Towers. So anyway, you have this recession that hit right after 9-11. And then we're, we're going into Iraq and Afghanistan. So you have a two-front war where the government spends trillions of dollars. And it doesn't, you know, they... They didn't exactly, they weren't truthful. I think that's a, there's a broad bipartisan consensus on that at this point. That they weren't truthful at the time and that, you know, we shouldn't really be there right now, but here the, here we are. 
So a younger cohort of folks sort of, you know, coalesced around the blowback of the Iraq war. And I guess as they got older, the news media decided, they looked at this and decided that we can interpolate these people into tribes. And so we were sort of sleepwalking into tribalism here. And if you think about that, I mean, even, you know, nothing good comes out of this. We Nothing good comes out of it. And now you have these groups that are so far left and so far right. There's actually a third group that they've interpolated called a centrist, which to me is utterly insane. I mean, you know. But anyway, so you have these groups, and they're largely, you know, they're not largely, but they're sustained by different media diets, say. And and now, you know, with Twitter, you can actually, Twitter and YouTube, etc., you can send yourself down rabbit holes. And some of these rabbit holes are legitimately self-selecting, and, and some of them aren't. Some of them are driven, uh, driven by algorithm. One of the things I've noticed is that um, YouTube has decided that you know, you can't monetize on anything that mentions the coronavirus. And there are even certain names that you can't mention in a, in a YouTube uh, video just that have to do with the world. And, you know, as I've said before, you know, I don't like that. We're, we're you know, you know, I don't remember driving to the pool and, and voting to do that. But here we go. You know, here we are. And so remember, I keep saying, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to say, that the, say it with me now, the disease is natural, the pandemic is man-made. I'm wondering if the pandemic, be it the Black Death or whatever, is man-made because it happens in a transitional phase. And I'm wondering if one of the reasons why this pandemic is happening is because we've entered into a transitional phase, you know, where traditional media, be it radio, television, you know, tele, you know, print, is dying out and needs to think about new ways to sustain itself and new ways to grab voters. I mean, viewers, sorry, that was a Freudian slip. But that's interesting because literally everything is political. I mean, you know, you know, everything is political. But so anyway, and then we we sort of we the people, we the people of the United States of America, for lack of a better better way to say it, and I really hesitate to say it this way, but for a lack of a better way to say this, we honestly have turned news into entertainment. And unfortunately, you know, COVID-19 is the number one news story. And, you know, if you're somebody that you don't happen to think that COVID-19 is 
as big as it's as it is or that you need to think about it or respect it the way that people say that you do or maybe you even think that it's not really a thing at all right so right there you're selecting yourself into a into a separate team from somebody who's concerned about it so you know it's like where everything's in the tribal bent so to say and I get it I, I really do we can't you know they want us they're saying that the the vaccine's gonna take you know 18 months I understand I get it you can't shut down a society for 18 months certainly not our society I mean most of our economy is, is consumer driven um, you can't shut that down for 18 months you just can't so at some point, people are literally, you know, and in, in my state, in Georgia, that's happening where they're opening restaurants up. And I, I heard from a, a restaurant owner that for a restaurant to make money, restaurants have to pack out every night. So, you know, this fellow is wondering, how are you going to have restaurants operating at 25% capacity? So restaurants aren't really going to stay open. So, I mean, obviously, this is kind of a thinly veiled kind of a way to, to get people off unemployment. Well, I mean, we need to start thinking about, you know, 18 months from now, you know, what else is going to be around? You know, the advertising business, and Atlanta was a, is, I guess, a, a major advertising hub. There's a lot of advertising places that aren't really going anymore because that's the first thing people cut off. And you look at this these changes, but I think the the big story here and the, the continuing story is how the media accidentally or purposely plays into this. You know, how people's preformed notions of what goes on on different channels are playing into how they you know how they interact with this virus how they interact with the news of this virus i mean you know as i've said i think the the venn diagram of you know does this person get high-speed internet and does this person think this virus is a huge deal is pretty much a circle with some people I mean, because I'm, a, I'm looking at the videos out of Italy and the videos out of New York, but I have high-speed internet to do that. And I'm also kind of self-selecting myself into the tribe that believes that the virus is, is a thing to be rightly concerned over, as I'm almost positive that a good for, goodly number of you are. But this is just something that I wanted to bring up right now that in thinking about this virus i think the the major situation with it is that it's at the apex of sort of this the dying of traditional media and that's something i i want to examine a little bit more with this podcast but um for right now i think i'm gonna button this thing up um thanks again um uh, don't forget to like and subscribe in your various podcast 
uh, catchers. Um, thank you. This has been incredibly humbling. And I hope to, you know, I'm going to keep doing this. And I, like I say, I hope to put out another uh, episode on the Spanish flu here very, very soon, as I originally set out to do. But like I'm saying, this is a huge, you know, thing. And oh, by the way, there's something I forgot to say that I think is important. Today was a milestone day in the deaths with COVID-19. Today, more people died of COVID-19 than died Americans died in Vietnam. Now, the Vietnam War started technically under Eisenhower and lasted through Eisenhower, through, uh, through Kennedy, through LBJ, uh, that's Lyndon Baines Johnson, uh, through to Nixon. That's a long time. Okay? I mean, that's, that's a long, long time. And I think, you know, to get that many deaths in essentially what, like a month? You know, that's insane. Or that's absolutely insane. But I think I'm going to drill into that in no another episode. But right now, I, I just wanted to talk about uh, COVID-19 in the media. All right. Okay. You guys have a have a good time and thank you so much for your pod support of my podcast and your listenership. That really means a lot to me. Thank you and I'll talk to you later. Bye bye.